Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, all right. Welcome to Locked On Mavericks for uh, November tenth, two thousand and sixteen. Uh, day where the Mavericks currently sit at two and six after the second half of a back to back. We appreciate you checking out the show. My dog's obviously pretty into it. Um, we are uh, we're here for you every day, at least Monday through Thursday, and Fridays on the days after games. Uh, bite size, fifteen twenty minutes. Just get your head right for what is happening in the Mavericks world and. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be a weird season, but I think that the reason I'm glad we're doing this is that although they're not like a contender, it is a pretty interesting team. So uh, I'm Jake Kemp. You can follow me at, at not Jack Kemp. He's Mike Marshall at Machine Sports. And uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, you know, a little run, a little dog walk, a little lunch break while you're eating in your car. Maybe you're dipping some nugs, mm. dipping some nuggets and ranch. Three to five it's- sauces minimum. That's right. Yeah. And I don't mind telling them that I need you to over condiment me. Oh yeah, yeah. I want three of these, three of these, three of these, and three of these. What if and, I want to mix them together? And you listen, you're not getting points on the back end of Chick Fil A's stock. No, absolutely so not. You don't. You should not care. I don't see their bottom line. Out. I don't see their spreadsheet where they're like, "Man, we gave about twenty five hundred too many Chick Fil A sauces this month." That's right. So go ahead and hit me with an extra buttermilk ranch. Mm. I'll run it. Off, I'll run it off later, and I'll run it off later while I'm listening to uh, another Locked On podcast, like Locked On Cowboys, who I imagine is go. probably um, just the sound of a man smoking a pipe and drinking Cavassier <laughs> uh, for 15 minutes and just listening to just jazz fire, smiling. Fireworks. Yeah. Just nonstop. Uh, yeah, get that barbecue sauce and get that ranch and mix it together, and there's every sauce that you don't know how to make. How about oh, that? Oh, wow. How about that? Whoa. <laughs> how Whoa. about that? Fired up this morning. I've listened to the first five tracks off Metallica's Load, because let's be honest – the last half of the album kind of gets unfocused, and I like to think that the uh, the Mavs, the NBA has spotted the Mavs. They, uh, or the NBA has a three-one lead on the Mavericks right now. That's <laughs> right. He's got to battle back. He's got to battle back. <laughs> um, but last night, though, obviously, again, the Mavericks weren't even. I, I don't want to say you're not trying to win because that ascribes some. Saying something he's not trying is almost like immoral to me. Yeah, for sure. But whenever you just you're dealing with uh, like a pragmatic situation where you got your win the night before, mm-hmm. Dirk is still out, D Will is still out, Bogut is not going to be able to play a bunch of back to backs. Yeah, Beret is probably not able going to be able to play a bunch of back to backs. Although more than Bogut, um, and then you look at your opponent, and the Mavericks basically just conceded a loss last night. 116.95 to Golden State. It was actually probably worse than that because they were getting doubled up or near doubled up at half. Yeah, 
It was death, and, by, uh, death by Clay Thompson for most of it. Yeah. In the first quarter, Clay Thompson had 15 points in 11 minutes. Yeah, that's, like, had, that's a problem. I think he was six for six. Yeah, he started. Couple, he hit his first seven, actually, I think. First seven, and a couple were from three. So, you know, I mean, it wasn't really a uh, – That that always messes with me because if you go in there and you, like, play your entire heart out with the lineup that you have available, you might make it a three-possession game um, with, like, two minutes left in, in the fourth quarter or something like that. But I'm fine with doing it at Golden State. The thing I don't like about the Mavs is uh, they've been constructing these um, these rosters in which two to three guys at a time can't play back-to-backs. And it's yeah. as if the NBA didn't tell them they were going to schedule back-to-backs this season. They're like, ah, oh, yes. They snuck up yeah, on us well, again. <laughs> if nothing else, and it wasn't all that productive, but um, if nothing else, they I do think that that's somewhat in their rear view. Sure. Just based on how young the roster that they're playing now is. Now, it's not a very good roster, so it's right. going to end up meaning you have to be young first, and then those guys have to get better, and you have to keep adding guys who are young and pretty good. But they went with uh, a pretty weird lineup last night, mm-hmm. which basically started Pal at the five. Yep. Um, and he was pretty good, but the thing is, is that the Warriors are able to switch him where he was having to guard Clay mm-hmm. or having to even guard Curry a couple times and it just you know yeah there's not I mean that's not going to go much better with Bogut but at least Bogut will just hang back and you're not going to go to the rim on him yeah and there was a t- like late in the first quarter Powell started getting into scraps with with Draymond and yeah. Dwight Powell has never gotten a call in his entire life and especially he's not going to get a call against Draymond like I, there was one where Powell had him completely boxed out and Draymond just comes diving in like insane knocks him off his spot and they call Powell for the foul and I was like well <laughs> that's Dwight Powell's life right now <laughs> yeah and uh um, just Justin was fun he's always fun um but I don't think he's ever going to be the three-point shooter we want him to be I don't want to give up on it way too early but I just don't know if he's ever going to be an average three-point shooter yeah, I mean, really, the hope for him is based on one year at Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Where he was like 46%. But the two years before that, I mean, he was one, I think it was 28, and one was like 32. So, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, it does happen for some guys where, and I don't even, I guess average for him. I mean, I need West to be shooting 40% from three. Yeah. I just do. Yeah. Or thir- 38, 39, because mm-hmm. that was his career average. Yep. Justin Anderson, I don't, you know, that's probably a little rich. Yeah, I need 33 to 35. I think yeah. high end for him would probably be 35, 36. On a, on and a last year, year he was at 27, this year at 23. Yeah, it's not great thus far. Um, almost had a triple-double last night, though, and had uh, 11 drives, which was fun. Do you want an update on uh, the Harrison Barnes stats? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Uh, blowout game, obviously, but uh, Harrison Barnes still had 25 and 8. So over his last four games, his averages are 27 points, seven rebounds, one assist, 49% from the field, 33 from three. We like to think that can go up because he's shot better than that his entire career from mm-hmm. three. Uh, a 29% usage and a plus 5.5 net rating. He's now entered the 90th percentile in half-court offense. Um, and I started messing around with some of Synergy's leaderboard stuff. And uh, let's see, this is overall half-court offense. 
uh, for anybody that has had more than uh, 100 possessions. And he is currently eighth in all of basketball in half-court offense at 1.103 points per possession. I've been quoting points per possession quite a bit. Just as a reference, if you're above – in transition, you want to be above like a 1.1. In half-court, you just want to be above like a .95 is probably average. If you get closer to a 1, then you start getting into, um, you know, Mike Conley area, which is like good. Uh, for half-court offense, but Harrison Barnes is eighth in all of basketball, half-court offense, and then I switched it over to isolation, and there are only nine players in basketball that have had uh, 30-plus isolation possessions uh, thus far in the season through some teams have played seven, some teams have played uh, nine games, Mavs have played eight. Harrison Barnes is number freaking one in all of basketball in points per possession in isolation situations at 1.234 points per isolation possessions. And it's not really close. Like, Melo's behind him at one 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 five nine. He's at one two three four. It's absurd. Yeah, and what's weird about that is I don't think it's necessarily that I, that I didn't think he would be pretty good in isolation. I just wasn't sure that a team – I mean, because he's always been pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. It's just that it felt like whenever they were doing it in Golden State, it was to let everyone else take a play off, and yeah. it wasn't really what they were trying to do on offense. Whereas now, it's like it's like it's their entire offense. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I don't know if you really want that, but I think if you had if you had another guard in the starting lineup, like a competent, not to no shots at Bray, but you had like a competent one or two that could run the pick and roll, mm-hmm. I think you would be able to get away with it a lot easier. Yeah. Because I want to caution people somewhat that have already been like, hey, you were way wrong about Harrison Barnes. I'm definitely wrong about his demeanor. Yeah. But what I – I mean, the only way I would hedge on that is to say Parsons, like we said yesterday, never got a chance to play this much four with Dirk out healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that playing the four is what is – with not having Dirk on the floor – is the direct result of why Barnes' numbers are as high as they are. Even if he's at the three and he's playing well, there's just not enough shots with Dirk playing and playing well for a guy to put up 25 points on this team. There never has been. Yeah. And the second thing is they're still two and six. Yeah, exactly. So, And, you know, it's not like been just a murderer's row schedule. So Mm -hmm. I think – I'm I'm very happy with what he's done, but I still don't know. I guess I'll have to see how he plays when he's with another other couple of similarly calibered players to see can you run a team based on what he's doing and be like a contender. Yeah, that's that's the great question. Is is it a thing to build around? Is it something? Is it a, a one elite characteristic that you have that you can that you can push forward down the road because I mean, the 27 points is pretty phenomenal. Like, I don't know how many dudes could do that um, on a nightly basis in the NBA. But you look at even bad teams, like, I mean, you know, like Sixers or like, um, you know, just name your team. There's going to be like a 17 to 20-point score on that team uh, right. just by mathematics of possessions and point totals that the league has uh, – that we've gotten up to in, this, in the modern NBA. So, yeah, that's, that's a great that's, – that's what I've been doing for about a week now is wondering, is this, number one, is this sustainable? And number two, is this something to build off of 
and what do you need to put around him to make it work? Because I think Bogut um, being as comfortable with him as he is and Bogut being comfortable basically just kind of being a three-point line roamer and screen setter, I think that has a lot to do with it. Because you have a, if you have a traditional five that stands on the block, like a lot of Harrison Barnes's drives go right into a help defender. But Bogut's always out there setting screens and trying to be the second point guard, basically. Yep. Um, I guess that can lead us into uh, some of the things that we've – ideas that we have uh, moving forward uh, as far as uh, like Harrison Barnes at the four is one of them for sure, how they build around that. Just things we've said and ideas we have that have been either solidified or debunked thus far in the season. Uh, things we think we know is what I call it. And I wanted to put them all – in one little place for you so you can keep these in mind as you start watching. Um, and we're one-tenth of the way through the season now. Um, so as you watch games and you keep this in mind, number one, I guess we can start with that Barnes at the four thing. Um, I think that is their plan going forward. I think um, that's the one elite thing they can do. That's their one trick on offense. And it's going to take a little bit of a, uh, <laughs> a remodel. Um, you're going to have to get a new bath put on that, uh, that house. But, uh, I think that's their quickest way back to being a good basketball team is Barnes at the four. Oh, I mean, I don't think that, that to me, that part is decided. It's more about what do you, what does the rest of the team look like around him? Yeah. Like I, ideally, if I have Barnes at the four, I would like to have a monster at the five. That's why the, the Deandre thing was so appealing to me because once you have a guy who can, Anchor your defense and roll to the rim. I like I have so many other options down the line. No, Bogut yeah. makes it to where you're like, well, now I don't really know. Bogut the five with Barnes the four is probably going to get beat up a little bit, given what Bogut's given you. But yeah. it's that, definitely not going to work with a guy like Powell or Dirk at the five for stretches. So mm-hmm. that's really what it is to me: is what what can you get at the five with with Barnes at the four? Yeah. You get away with Barnes at the four, and then how does that flow to the rest of your your wings? Yeah, like like I like I said a minute ago, I think Bogut at the five helps Barnes, but it only helps Barnes. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Well, I think ideally it, Bogut, but I mean if he's going to be, you know, yeah, no, giving up, you know, sixty five percent at the rim or whatever. He hasn't been good enough. Like sorry, <laughs> sorry, my uh, I think the ship has sailed on me wanting to bring Bogut back. But a five like that, that sets screens and is a ball handler, it helps It helps Barnes, but it only helps Barnes. And a guy like DeAndre or some of these other dudes we'll talk about here in a second, that helps. That gives you natural offense, which is pick and roll. And you have a, right. you have a dive man that people have to adjust for. One of the other things, I think we mentioned it yesterday, is um, they're finalizing a new uh, collective bargaining agreement. And it's been – I've <laughs> – uh, people I've talked to uh, that know way more than I do have been saying since whenever the new CBA comes into effect, Wesley Matthews will be amnestied. Uh, there's going to be a new amnesty provision, a new uh, get-out-of-jail-free card, and I think I know that Wesley Matthews will be amnestied on July 1st next year. Um, and we can get into what that means, I guess, in terms of their dollar figure, but what do you think about that? Um... I mean, I really don't think that his cap... Okay, if you look at how he started the year last year, and maybe it's... At that time, I just alibied it as he's coming off of a serious injury. Mm -hmm. His numbers didn't end up terrible last year. Yeah. 
And if and if he gives you what he gave you last year, given the cap spike, I think you could get something for him, or he could give you know, or I don't think it's a complete wash of a deal. I think it's at least kind of a push. So, I mean, it frees up your money, but it's kind of like, are you sure that you could get something better than what you're getting under that freed up money? You probably could, but I also think you might be better off just trying to trade him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I still haven't totally given up on the idea he can be good here, but he's just off to just such awful starts both years. And this year, you kind of felt like he was a whole year and a half away from the injury, and uh, that he'd be, you know, coming out of the gates kind of like how he finished it last year, and that just has not been the case. Yeah, I mean. Here's here's the the other part of that the other side of that card is if you do amnesty West Matthews, um, you only have forty million dollars of guaranteed salary next season. Uh, that's Barnes at twenty three, Powell at nine, Bray at four, Curry at three, and then Anderson at one point five. So you have something like sixty million dollars to play with, um, and you only have granted you only have uh, five players uh, fastened to the deck, but. I just think paying Wes Matthews on those final two years, assuming he's not going to get his whatever it was back at seventeen five a year, I honestly think that dollar could be spent better somewhere else. And when you, t- when you add in the – I don't think it's an insane contract at all. That's, I'm not saying that. I just think you could get more out of that, that almost nearly $18 million. Um, and then when you add in the flexibility it would give you to – potentially go after like two max players um granted you're not gonna get anybody anybody that would go to a better team you're gonna have to go at the young dudes that are probably restricted um but i just think the value that's that's how you get back without bulldozing your house and that's you're talking about next off season next off season yeah next off season yeah 40 million uh is all they would have on the books so something like 60 million uh in your pocket Depending on what the new the new uh, the new cap is, and mm-hmm. that's that leads me to my next one. I think the Mavs are going to max offer restricted free agent Nerlens Noel uh, if he doesn't get traded and the re-sign with somebody. And I think they're going to go after somebody else too. <laughs> it might be Gordon Hayward has a player option. Everyone has a player option and they're restricted this offseason, so it's kind of weird if you're trying to plan a roadmap. But uh, Gordon Hayward has a player option. Danilo Gallinari has a player option. Uh, Ibaka is straight up free. Drew Holiday, younger dudes like Otto Porter and Contavious uh, Caldwell Pope are restricted as well. And that's when the Mavs have only—that's when the Mavs have had actual success in free agency is restricted free agency. Yeah, uh, the thing I guess it's just you got to find the right spot because, like, Noel, the Sixers have no money on the books. They should absolutely offer him. Except they don't have anywhere from the play, mm-hmm. so I feel like they would be better off trading him. Yep, and I and I think you might even see that with a team like we talked to you and I were texting about uh, Levine last night. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really, he's really, you know, I think he'll thrive at the two, and he's twenty one right now. Yep, they definitely cannot play him at the one, even if Rubio ends up having to retire in a couple years. Mm-hmm. But they're gonna have to throw all. They're gonna have to. They just re-upped Jang. They're going to have to throw a max... They'll have to have max slot available for Cat. Mm-hmm. They'll have to have a max slot available for Wiggins in two years, or I guess, yeah, two years now. Yeah. And Chris, so, I mean, Chris, Dunn, pro- Chris Dunn will be three years Chris from now. Chris Dunn. 
So those they could probably pull it off, but they would be in the tax pretty quickly. And I think Levine might be the one guy who's on the outside looking in in that situation. And when he hits free agency, he'll be 22. Mm -hmm. And that guy is an effing freak. Yeah. And I think if you almost had him in a situation like with what you just did with Barnes, Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden he was the, you know, he was getting a little bit more of his, then I think that guy's going to end up being a borderline all-star player, if not an Mm all-star. But I don't know if it's going to happen in Minnesota. So guys like Noel... Everyone obviously connects Hayward to Boston. Yeah, for sure. Just the Brad Stevens connect, and Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, Utah is going to be in a weird spot, too, where a team that I really like, I think that if they stuck with what they had, they can contend. But they're going to be in the max, in the tax, like, next year. Yeah, no, they have Hayward's up. He has a player option. Of course, he's going to opt out of that and then the reason that favors yeah favors and the reason that they're so good right now is george hill by the way he's up too yeah um so there's a lot of fluidity in that situation i'll be really impressed if they can keep that whole thing together um or if they're willing to pay (laughs) that deep into the tax they'll have to do hill straight out because they don't have his bird rights obviously and then you start getting into re-upping favors and hayward and going deep into the tax for them so That'll be interesting. I think I think really young restricted free agents is probably just pay more for uh, the upside that you're going to get in year three and four of that contract than the team that they're currently on is willing to pay. I think that's yeah. how the Mavericks get back into it um, with at least some kind of fun, you know, upward trajectory type team. And uh, Levine, by the way, is after not at not the end of this season, end of uh, next season. Yeah. for his uh, restricted free agency. And then one more before we get out of here. We've talked about it before. The Mavs are going to draft a point guard. There are nine point guards projected in the first round of uh, of next year's draft, and the point guard market is pretty pretty sad, except for, like, George Hill and Brandon Jennings and dudes like that. If you're, if you're super interested in that, then go right ahead. But Beret is locked in, so you automatically have a backup. Um, or a dude that could start at some points. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I've, I've gotten over like the, the entire point guard situation well, eight games into this season already, but they're going to, yeah. they're going to draft a point guard. It just depends where they're going to draft one at. Yeah. And it's pretty deep. Yeah. I mean, I think there are like seven to eight guys that people think are future starting point guards, uh, that are going to be in the first round right now. Mm-hmm. Let's just pull up real quick. We've all I mean, we it's we every Maverick fan who really cares knows that it's already in your history. Yeah, exactly. The first uh, one, first and second pick are allegedly going to be point guards. Fultz and Smith. Yeah, and then you've got some dude Ball. from Strasbourg. Yeah, Lonzo Ball's definitely in there, and then De'Aaron. I mean, like, Fox. just right now, Draft Express has one, two, three, four, five point guards in the top seven. Yep. I mean, they've got five point guards in the top seven. Josh Jackson out of Kansas. Some people think will go first. More of a swing guy. And then uh, uh, Harry Giles. Mm-hmm. Big man from Duke. But outside of that, that's that's the most point guard rich pre-draft projection I've ever seen. Yeah. And, if and you have you're a... probably going to be one of those teams. I mean, I don't know. And if you're not, you better get your ass up there. Yeah, you better be, like, be if they top end up... ten. Yeah, if they end up finishing 10th, mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't want to flash back to 2013. Yeah, I don't either. That's one thing I have a hard time forgiving them for till this day. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we have like four days off <laughs> until Monday night at New York. Um, yeah, we can talk a little Knicks Super Team Monday, and uh, yeah. and I'm sure we'll, we'll have some other interesting stuff by then. For sure. All right, man. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thanks, dude. We'll see you. With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill up up to twenty five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.